Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's just kind of pray here and open up and see what the Lord has for you guys tonight. Father, we just thank you for everyone that's here tonight, everyone that's listening to the podcast right now. Lord, I thank you that uh, you have something specific, something very, very specific that you want to minister to them tonight through the time of teaching, through the time of ministry. And Lord, we just, we connect with your heart for every listener tonight. And we just right now, Lord, release, we just release answers and breakthrough and comfort and encouragement and strength. We release healing, God. We release clarity. (laughs) We just release everything that is needed tonight in every one of your kids' lives. Lord, we thank you that you are a supernatural dad. <laughs> you're, you're not only are you an amazing father, a loving father, your love casts out fear. You have perfect love for us, but you are also supernatural. And so, Lord, I just release the supernatural tonight into every listener's heart. Lord, I just release just them into the fullness of the, the glory that you are releasing in them and through them and around them tonight, Lord. We just come into agreement with what you are doing tonight. So I just say, think through my thoughts, speak through my voice, lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, into more truth. We just, we just take a moment to acknowledge you right now and to just put our focus on you, Holy Spirit. We just take a deep breath and just, just exhale the, I don't know, everything that is, oh, that would try to distract us, Lord. And we just focus on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we are winding down. We have two more weeks left of 2017, and I keep hearing two words over 2018. And I, you know, I talked about, I taught them one of those words last week, um, which was the word manifestation. Uh, and um, the second word that I that I keep hearing is the word acceleration. Acceleration and manifestation. You know, um, I'm just going to go here for a moment. I have, um, you know, I have a couple of different groups set up on Facebook for people that are going through our merge program. And so I'll post things in those groups that maybe I won't post, you know, on my normal Facebook page that's, you know, my fan page or whatever. And one of the things that I posted this week, and I, I just feel like I'm the Holy Spirit prompting me to talk about that tonight was um, I posted a prophetic word from a very popular prophet that I don't even need to mention names at the moment uh, because it's not my intention even in bringing this up to dishonor anyone or or to correct anyone. Matter of fact, that's so annoying sometimes when you just have people on Facebook that are constantly trying to correct everybody that they don't have relationship with. Um, so it's not so important that this is not about a correction to someone that I don't know that I don't have a relationship with, that I don't even have a voice to even try to correct them. That is not the role that I play in that person's life. 
However, there is a role that I play in the lives of the people that are connected with me. Either they're taking the program or they feel called to come up here on Sundays or they're listening to the podcast. And we have people that are listening to the podcast all over the country. We have people that um, are connected that I don't even, I've never even met, right? But God supernaturally has connected us. And so I, this, what I'm about to share with you is really geared towards those people, right? And this particular prophetic word is like the majority of prophetic words that I see on Facebook on a daily basis or that I encounter on popular prophetic websites and, you know, popular prophetic moves. And it always goes something like God is about to do something, right? Or God is releasing, uh, you know, something, right? And the problem with, you know, in this particular word, it was a word to tarry, like they did on the day of Pentecost. You know, tarry and wait for God. And, and, the problem with these words is they keep you in a continual, perpetual state of believing that you are lacking something. That you, ha- that you, you don't already have the fullness of the Godhead dwelling inside of you. Alright, now I just want to stop here for a moment and I want you to think about that one statement. That the fullness of the Godhead is dwelling in you. And I'm just going to go to a couple of scriptures here. Now, when I go here, I, it, let me just say this. We have, we have a perception problem. <laughs> okay? Every human being on the planet, really, before they become aware of the gospel and they hear the gospel, and I mean the true gospel, not, you know, just the depressing news that you're a sinner. And that you're going to go to hell unless you accept Jesus. Like, I'm going to scare you into this thing. Okay, that's that, that. there's nothing about that that is good news. Although, there's aspects of truth in that. It's just such a horrible, it's like, you know, it's just, a, it's like everything's such a, from a negative perspective. But when you hear the, the truth of the gospel, and you start to really connect in with this idea that you are the home of God. You are the dwelling place of God. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That you are called to abide in the vine. In the vine. That you are in Christ. That you have been baptized into Christ. That there is this complete identification of your life now. That everything that is not like Jesus has passed away. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. That you are a new creature. That you were crucified with Christ. That you were buried with Christ. That you were raised with him to a new life. And now you've ascended and you are seated in heavenly places inside of Christ. I'm sorry, everything I just said is actually the gospel. It's about a new identity that you have that is one with God. And God is now dwelling in you, and you are dwelling in him. And you are in perfect communion and union and harmony and agreement with the Trinity. You are, because you're in Christ, now you're also one with the Father, because the Father and Jesus are one, right? The same, uh, 
relationship that Jesus had with the Father is now the kind of relationship that you have access to because you are in Christ. And so this changes everything. This is a revolutionary change that has had, it's a transformation that has happened in your life. Now, for most of us, because our minds have not been fully renewed to this reality, we don't experience this. We, we live by default as though we're separated from God. We think God's up in heaven. We relate to God as though he's outside rather than inside. We have a roller coaster relationship with God where sometimes we feel close, sometimes we feel far. I mean, there's just a lot of consequences that come from a separated mindset, a separational mindset from God. And it's it's a real distortion of the gospel to make it a message that's about heaven versus uh, you know that's somehow in the future of some place you're going to go rather than making it a message about what's already happened and who you are right now right and so we what ends up happening is we struggle our whole lives trying to become something rather than realizing we've already become something and that the only thing that's lacking is you perceiving what you've become and being what you've actually already become, right? And so my issue, and let me just go back here and read this, the scriptures, because the, the scriptures that Paul wrote in the epistles are so incredibly rev- revolutionary. I mean, they are, they are incredibly life-transforming when you grab a hold of them. In this one, I'm going to start in Colossians 2.9, and I've got a lot of different versions here, but I'm just going to start in the NIV for a moment. Um, it says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Okay. In the New Living Translation, it says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Now we have, most of us can like go, how, yes, we believe that. We believe Jesus Christ is one with the Father, one with the Spirit. They are a God. They're all one. And the fullness of God, the full, that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? The Father and I are one. So we have no problem with this. We're like, okay, yeah, Jesus is God. Jesus and the Father are one. Yeah, we get it. The whole Godhead, the whole, you know, kid and caboodle lives inside of Jesus, right? But then we're going to keep reading here for a moment. Okay. Now, this is what it says in Colossians 2.10. So you are also, are com- it says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I mean, there's different versions that King James says, and ye are complete in him. Right, the NIV says, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. But the whole idea is you are complete. There's something complete about you. Right? And then it says, in New Living Translation, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. Now, ladies, you've been circumcised. Whether you realize it or not, right? Whether you think you could be or not, you, this is there's a circumcision that happened when you came to Christ. It says here, but it says not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. And this is so powerful. The cutting away of your sinful nature. I mean, this is so revolutionary. I mean, we hear the gospel as you're a sinner rather than what Christ accomplished on the cross is that he cut your sinful nature off of you. 
and that you are no longer a sinner because Jesus became you on the cross and he became sin and you became righteous. And so this is just incredibly good news. So this you cut away your sinful nature on the cross and then let me go to the next one, 2.12, it says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So good. I could keep reading, but my point here was this idea that you, you know, the, the whole pro, the whole deal about after you've really heard the gospel and you've met Jesus is about recognizing and awakening to what already has happened. Does that make sense? And so, so many of these prophetic words that we hear it's like you're you're still missing something. And not only that, this particular one that I shared is having you wait on God to receive it. And you're not, we're not waiting. The wait is over. The Holy Spirit invaded the earth on the day of Pentecost, and he's never left. <laughs> you know, I mean, Paul in the book of Ephesians, and I was reading this, is such an incredible scripture. I mean, just grappling with these things. I mean, it, it really, the struggles to believe it. I mean, when Jesus said, you know, um, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, repent and believe the gospel. I mean, he was saying that heaven has invaded the earth. It is here. The kingdom of God. Heaven is here. I'm here. Heaven has arrived. Heaven has invaded. Now repent. Change your mind and believe the good news. Right? And so, we're not, it, 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 the only thing we're doing now is renewing our minds. We are, we are awakening to the reality of what already has been done. And this scripture in Ephesians, I've really been planning on this one. It's in Ephesians chapter one. It says, everything, verse three, everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a loved gift from our heavenly Wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. So here's the thing. The Father, first of all, has already la- has lavished you. Actually, if he's lavished it on us, why don't I? why am I not experiencing it? Why is my life not like heaven, right? Here's the other thing. He also sees you wrapped in Christ, meaning you are covered in Christ. You are inside of Christ. Your life is hidden, it says, inside of Christ. So when the Father looks at you, he sees, he sees, you know, mercy in a Jesus suit. Meaning, mercy's hidden in there inside of Jesus. So when she, she's wrapped in Christ, like, you know, like a Christmas present. Right? Wrapped up in Christ. That's how the Father sees you. But how do we see us? And so it's so important that there's a prophetic voice in the earth that is just confirming what you already are. Instead of trying to tell you that what God is actually doing to make you something that you aren't yet. It's subtle. It's a very subtle difference. 
But we've been feeding on this garbage for so long, and what it does is it perpetuates an identity that is less than Jesus Christ. And you and Jesus are Siamese twins. You mean you are you are conjoined together? You are co-joined together. You are, and I get that if you judge who you are based on your behavior, if you just you know your performance, or if you if you start to look out look at look at something other than the Word of God, and other than the face of Jesus Christ, then you're going to have a, a perception of yourself that is wrong. And the the truth is, is that when you wake up to who you are and you begin to just agree and believe who you are, that you Christ and you are one, that you will begin to manifest who you believe you are. That's why you're manifesting who you think you are today, is because you believe something about yourself. And so that, therefore, it's true for you. It doesn't mean it's true. It means it's true for you. And so we eat these things because we are so accustomed to, to having a perception of separation. We're so accustomed to, to thinking we don't have something. When in the kingdom, you believe something and then you, then you experience it. You don't experience it and then believe it's true. No, no, no. You, you believe something and you experience it. You experience already what you believe. And so the experience follows what we believe. And so if we believe we need to wait on God, well then you're going to be waiting on God. If you believe that you already have it, then you've already got it. And so, so many of Paul's writings are really coming from what has already been done. The Father has lavished Right? He sees you wrapped in Christ. These are past tense words. By his stripes, you were healed. There's past tense in this stuff. Right? And so the, the problem is, is you think, well, gosh, if by his stripes he were healed, why do I have symptoms in my body? Why is that not manifesting? It's because you believe you don't have it. That's why in Mark 11.24... Jesus was preaching about faith. He was preaching about the power of our words and the power of what we believe. You know, in the context of that chapter, you know, him and his disciples were hungry. If you read up a little bit further, let me go there. And they were hungry. And so they're going by a, um, a fig tree and Jesus goes up to it and because, you know, he's thinking, I'll have some, some figs here, right? And it's, let me just read it. It says, The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find if it had any fruit. When he reached it, it had nothing but leaves. He said, Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. I just want to get it in a different translation here. Let me see if I can figure out how to do that. Um, let me do this in the new living. There we go. All right. It says, I'm going to skip down a little bit. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, 
the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus said to the tree on the previous day and explained, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you curse is withered and died. And Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. Now, other translations translate that a little differently, a little more accurately. And they say, Have the faith of God. Right? Have the faith of God. And then he continues to talk. He says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I mean, these principles are so incredibly powerful because they're saying, okay, now let's just take this back to what Paul was saying, that God, the Father has lavished everything that is in heaven. It's already been lavished upon you. And he sees you wrapped up in Christ, okay? So what this is saying, it's just like the fig tree with Jesus. The reason Jesus cursed that fig tree is because if you go into the book of Revelation and you look at the trees of life, right, these things are bearing fruit every month. There is no fruit-bearing season and non-fruit-bearing season. So in heaven, it is fruit all the time. Are you following what I'm saying? In, in Psalm chapter 1, it says that the man who's, who is planted by the streams of living water, right, shall not wither, right, but he will bear fruit. And it says in their season. But I'm saying in heaven, it's always harvest time. There's other scriptures where Jesus told his disciples, look at the fields, they're ripe already. Don't say it's four months until harvest time. Right? It's now. It's now. It's according to your faith. It's according to what you believe. And Jesus, when he cursed that fig tree, I'm talking, we're a 24-hour manifestation of his words. Right? And it dried up at the root. It was a picture. It was a, why? Why would Jesus do that? Because lack is illegal in heaven. There are no fruitless trees. There is not, if I'm hungry, you know what? There's plenty of food. And he proved that over and over again. He's going to bless a little four loaves and fishes, multiply to the multitudes. I mean, manna from heaven. I mean, over and over again, Elijah, go to the widows. I mean, uh, the, the oil multiply. I mean, over and over again, let down your nets for a drop. I mean, Jesus super, he tapped into an unseen reality of the lavishness of heaven, of the abundance of heaven. Even though in the natural you know what I'm saying? It didn't, there was a perception that there was, la- there was a perception there uh, of there not being enough or, or, or whatever. Now I, I'm kind of going there to say that Jesus then said, you are like me. Have the faith of God. Have faith and use your words to remove things that shouldn't exist. And when you pray, Receive what you've prayed. Meaning, don't keep acting like you don't have it. You got it. And when you've got it, guess what? You're gonna, you'll get it. You'll get it. 
And so, but we have been so trained, not only with just prophetic words. Uh, that my issue is that prophetic words should be the, the, the reminder to get you back into a place that tells you what you already are and what you already have. But, you know, the entire world operates. It's interesting. Faith is seen in the world as well, but so, so is, so is this kind of Missouri show me state. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? Well, no, if you believe it, you will see it. All things are possible if you can believe. And so this is about, I mean, I went a really long way around talking about the words that I'm hearing for 2018. All right? I'm hearing the words manifestation and acceleration. Right? I personally believe that we go as fast or slow in our development as it's not up to God. You know, there's a lot of things that are up to God. In my, you know, an email that I sent this week talking about this ultimate coaching program that I'm releasing. You know, I said a lot of times we blame God for our lack of living a purpose-filled life. We'll say, well, it's just not God's divine timing. Or, or we'll say we're waiting on God. Or that God is in control. How many times do we hear that one? You know, and, and that is a, just a really fancy religious way of blaming God for us being stuck. And so, I believe acceleration is always available. I believe manifestation is always available. So I'm not saying that 2018, God is doing a work of acceleration. Or God is doing a work of manifestation. I don't believe that. I believe that He's it's always available. <laughs> what I think is happening is that he is using these words, acceleration and manifestation, so that you and I will believe for acceleration and believe for manifestation. I believe it's a way of focusing us into something that is the next step for there being a greater manifestation of what already exists. Am I, let me see if I can say this another way. God isn't accelerating you. You're waking up to the fact that you are already in an acceleration mode. It's like you were asleep in a spaceship that was going at the speed of light. And now you're just awakening to the reality that, oh my gosh, I'm going, this is so fast. That's different than saying you're about to start going to, at the speed of light. Is that, do you understand the difference? It's very different to say you're about to start accelerating at the speed of light. To say, no, you are going to awaken to the fact that you've already been on an acceleration path. And what does that really mean? Um, what it means to me, in the context that I've been hearing it, is that there is um, this concept of momentum is, is, is basically what is what you are, are are going to be experiencing. Uh, and momentum is something. It's like, think about momentum and acceleration, how they go hand in hand. You know, momentum causes acceleration. 
It's like, it's kind of like an object in inertia will stay in inertia until there's like this outside force that comes and moves it. And so if there's been a move or a shift of some kind in your thinking or a breakthrough in your thinking or an awakening of some time in your thinking. And so you've already started forward movement. But it's kind of like you're going on a, you know, it's interesting. You know, going, even though going downstairs is, is exercise and work, it always feels so much easier to go down than it does to climb stairs. Right? Or when you're riding a bike down a hill versus going up a hill. There's a concept of even momentum that you can get going and just that your forward motion will just take cause you to go faster and faster. And so this acceleration, what I'm sensing is just this, this, there's a momentum. There's a momentum that's being gained just as you are coming into agreement with the truth about you. And you are awakening to the reality of who you are. And that it's kind of like a domino effect. That when you one revelation leads to the next revelation, to the next revelation, to the next revelation, to the next revelation, but it's 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 it, it, it's causing an acceleration as you wake up to each component of that. And then the manifestation to me is very much a fruit. It's not a work in the sense that, you know, Jesus said the Father in you does the work. When you abide in the vine, you will bear much fruit. Meaning that there's something that this, the acceleration and this momentum that's happening, this awakening that's happening to who you are, is is linked to manifestation automatically. Uh, that you, as you abide in the vine, you know Jesus, the source, is coming through you and doing things that are not 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 coming from your human effort. Right. So this is not a a human acceleration, and this is not a human manifestation. This is a supernatural work where you are going to see, you're going to experience more. You're going to experience more. You're going to begin to um, have fruit where before there was just a struggle, right? But it's not because God is pouring something new out. It's because you're you're waking up. You're waking up. You're waking up to the truth that he's already lavished you with everything in heaven. You're waking up to that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him and that I am now complete in him. So I really want to encourage you to not make hearing what I'm saying a once a week thing for you. You know, that's why we put it up on the podcast so that people can hear it and play it because it's like you're a, a you know, a swimming upstream. You're like a fish that's streaming up, you know, trying to swim up this river of unbelief. This river that is constantly barraging you and hitting you with a false identity and with a false perception of who you are and what's possible for your life. 
And so you're constantly kind of going against the stream. And so hearing these things, taking these verses, it doesn't, and just, no, this is, this is the truth. This is who I am. Because the acceleration is not, is already happening. The momentum is already there. And the manifestation is just like that. You know, most of the time when Jesus spoke, it happened immediately. The fig tree is one of the few times that it took 24 hours. Or maybe it happened faster, but it wasn't 24 hours till they actually went by. You know, we don't know how fast it actually happened. But manifestation is not supposed to take, you know, 50 years. It's really a function of can we believe? Or do we believe? And what is the unbelief that's holding it from being what we're experiencing? And so the other thing that I think is so important, I mean, what I'm hearing are just kind of corporately these words, but I also think it's important for you as an individual to, to hear what God is speaking to you about this coming year. And it's I, I, it, within the context... It's always within the context of what has already happened, what you already have. You know, when, when, when God came to, to, to Gideon and called him a mighty man of valor, you know, he was just speaking Gideon's true identity, <laughs> you know, to, to Gideon. And Gideon had experienced himself as everything but a mighty man of valor. He didn't have a grid to put that in, because he just didn't experience himself that way. Right? I mean, Abraham, when God came to Abraham and said, you're the father of a nation, I mean, he, God was just calling him who he was. But Abraham, because he had never experienced being a father, didn't have a grid for that. And so God looks at time differently than you and I do. He looks at you differently. He sees you wrapped up in Christ. And he sees you as you really are, not how you're acting or what you believe about yourself. And so this acceleration and this manifestation, to me, is most applicable in, in the relationship of there's an acceleration of your mind renewal so that you see yourself like God does. And so that you are manifesting who you are. There's a scripture in Romans 8 that says that the whole earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so what does that mean? That there's a, that there's an, ex, there's an actual experience of the body of Christ, of believers operating like Jesus, where they are taking authority over the curse where they are commanding heaven to manifest. They are receiving things and therefore seeing what they are asking for. There is a manifestation of a supernatural race of human beings. You are not just natural. You are a new breed. You're a new creation. And there's a a, a groan in the earth for you to awaken and manifest your sonship, your maturity, your 
likeness, which is Christ. And so I just want us to release our faith for this accelerated manifestation of who we are. And an accelerated manifestation that comes through us grasping that we are one with God, that we are the fullness of the Godhead dwells in us, that there is an, there's an, we are grasping the truth about who we are. We are grasping that we are women and men of, of mighty valor, that we are the, the, the prophetic things that God, the, the identities that God has spoken over us. We are manifesting that. There is an acceleration of that manifestation in your life. And so it's important to hear what God is saying. Who are you? What are, what, what does he say? If he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor, what does he call you? How are you described by the Father? You're wrapped in Christ. So, so how else is he describing you? Is he describing you as, as, as he is for me this coming year as an author? He's been describing that to me, for me personally, since I was 30, 33 years old. You know, what else is he saying to you? I mean, there's people that I minister with that, you know what, he, they're, they're very, they struggle with the fact that they aren't married. They're single and they wanted to have been married by now. And you know what? God is calling them married. You know, there's people that are struggling with physical illness that God is calling them healed. There are people that are struggling with finding a job. And God's calling them employed. There are people, you know, struggling with all kinds of things, but God is a God that calls things that be not as though they were. He calls the, the, the non-existent things, if you will, as though they already existed. Why? Because from his perspective, they do. That's why he calls you wrapped in Christ before you're in agreement with it and are acting like it. Because he knows you getting a, you gotta believe it. You have to believe that you're wrapped in Christ. And how are you going to believe it unless he tells you that you're wrapped in Christ? Unless you hear the truth, how can you even connect with it? And so it's important to hear, who are you? What is God saying about you? And who 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 has he called you to be? How does he see you? And I understand that you have not experienced maybe yourself as that yet. But the manifestation and the accelerated manifestation of that comes by you getting an agreement with it. Not by you believing God is making you something you're already not. It is just truly a very small, it's a small shift, but it's the difference between waiting and manifestation. It's the difference between continuing to believe that you lack something to recognizing that you are complete. And I, I mean, and immediately, you know, our human, our humanity is like, well, but we don't have it, but we don't have it, but I, but that's not, I don't have that. I, I, that's not what I'm experiencing. But it doesn't change the, the, your experience doesn't make it true. It makes it your experience. And God's wanting for you to experience something different. He's wanting you to experience the truth. I mean, could you imagine being the one that paid this incredible price for our freedom? God went through all, you know, centuries of, of planning this and prophesying and working through humanity and all the planning and effort and all of the pain and all of the suffering that Jesus, you know, went through on the cross. 
and then for no one to actually experience that. To make a brand new creation and no one actually experience the new creation. Of course God wants us to experience a new creation. He, he, he's not withholding from us. He said if God gave us his, his son, how much more will he not freely give you all things? And so the belief that we're waiting on God causes the delay. The belief that we don't have it already causes us not to experience it. You know, I use a really simple example of when I was praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'd got a hold of a teaching by Joyce Meyer years and years and years ago about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I had grown up very traditional in a Southern Baptist background. Uh, we were, you know, you know, had one relative that prayed in the Spirit, meaning spoke in tongues. And I mean, I just thought it was weird. I mean, so I just had a whole lot of paradigm around, I had built a paradigm around this, uh, speaking in tongues, had a mindset around it. So when I got a hold of this teaching, I, I mean, this was the first time I was really even open to it. But then I just began to pray, okay, well, Lord, you know, I studied it out for myself, and I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive this. Excuse me. And I, um, I began um, seeking it. And, you know, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed for it. And I, I it's like nothing was real. I wasn't really receive, experiencing anything. And here's where people stop. And then they build a theology around it. Well, because I'm not experiencing it, this must meet this doctrine that, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is for everyone is false. Because I'm not experiencing it. I mean, I have ministered with people that said, I've been praying for the Holy Spirit for three years. Five years. I mean, I've, I've met with people that have been, I've been asking for this for a long time. I guess it's just not for me. The gift is not for everybody. And then they build this whole, like, belief system around it. And I remember the day I was driving in the car, I was going to a client's, I was still in corporate at the time, driving to a client's, and I pulled up behind a car, and there was a license plate on the back of the car that said One Power. And I really don't know why that particular license plate spurred for me to hear this, but I heard very clearly from the Holy Spirit, because I think I, I mean, at that time I was praying about it still, like, I, let me, I want to be baptized, I was listening to the, the tape and stuff, and I just heard the Holy Spirit so clearly say, you've already got it. And so do you see the futility in asking for something you've already got and how you can never receive something that you already have? You know, I've done this um, exercise before, but I just picked up my little water glass here, and I am sitting here holding this water glass, and I'm saying, Ray, give me my, give me my water glass. And you're just saying you've already got it. And I'm saying, but no way, give me, it's invisible. Let's pretend it's an invisible water glass now. No, give me my, give me a water glass. And you know, the answer is you've already got it. And that's exactly what I was doing in the car that day. I was asking for the, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, and I heard clear, you've already got it. And so that answer was saying, shift your perception. Shift your perception from an asking 
from a place where I lack something to something now that is just, it just needs to manifest. I've already got it. So now this is just a, this is an exercise in manifestation. You know, and I would love to say as soon as I got that word from the Lord, I just began to pray in the spirit. That's not what happened. I, but I did quit asking. I was like, okay, I've already got this. So this is about manifestation. Okay, this is about, do you understand? It's very different. This, I'm going to go back to the prophetic words. It's very different than prophesying. You're waiting on God for something. Like, literally, he's holding my cup. You know, like, it, let's just hold it for a second, right? Like, okay, this is a very different thing that he's got, he's got the cup and he's holding it for me till my divine time to receive the cup. Right? He's in control of the cup. Maybe someday I'll get the cup. I'm just going to keep asking and asking. Give me the cup. Give me the cup. And maybe one day he'll release it to me. And do you know this is a large percentage of how we pray and how we talk to God? Is that we continue to ask for something that he has already done and made you. And so... Now it was free for, for me, okay? It was like, you've got, you've already got this thing. So that means I'm recognizing I already got it, but it's an invisible cup. There's not a physical cup yet. So now we're just imagining I've got the cup. Okay? So now I move to, okay, I've got this invisible cup that has yet to manifest. So I remember just not knowing what to do. So I just sat on my bed. And I would open my mouth. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't understand. Lord, you know, I just, but I was, I was, I now was taking the approach, though, understand this, that I already had it. And now I'm actually, I'm I'm being it. I'm now, I'm now making the attempt to be what I already, to, to, to see what I've already got. So I'm acting like I've already got it. Because I'm opening my mouth saying, okay, if I've got it, I should be able to do it. So this was very much an act of faith. Again, I would love to say that the first time I opened my mouth, I just began to pray in the Spirit. No, not the first time. But I stuck with it. And I was not going to be moved back into a place of thinking I didn't already have it and start asking for it again. And that's what we do. Why? Because we've never really connected with the idea that we've already got it. And so this acceleration, this acceleration in my mind, as I sit here and talk through it and think through it and meditate on it with God, is coming because of this shift in your mindset. Just like I did that day in the car when I saw the license plate and I said, I've already got this. I've got it. 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 And so you are awakening right now. And if you're not awake to that yet, if you are not still not grasping that you've got it, I mean, I don't want you to, you don't have to, this is not about you experiencing it. That's coming. This is about you just sitting down and saying, you know what, if God says I've got it, that I've got it. If the word of God says that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus and that I am in Christ, well, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus and I'm in Christ. 
If I am complete in him, then the, I'm complete in him. If I am righteous, then I'm righteous. It, it, because, why? Because God has said it. You are, you're just agreeing, I've already got it. Now, I may not be experiencing any of it yet. But I've got, I, I got it. It may be invisible in my life, but I've got it. And when you get to that shift of, of, from asking and asking and asking and asking to I've got it. All right, that is that is the catalyst that causes momentum. That is the catalyst that that's the awakening to the acceleration. It's an it's a oh, it's an aha moment. We're now oh, there's this acceleration that now is happening. I'm in. I'm in. And this way of life is so counter I don't want to say intuitive because that's not the right word. It's just, it's counterculture. Let me say that. It's counterculture because we haven't been taught to live out of a reality that you can't see. And how living out of a reality that you can't see causes it to be seen. And so I believe that the thing that is, is prudent in this hour is to really get clear about what you want to manifest. What belongs to you in Christ that you've been sitting around for a long time waiting on? Believing that you don't have it. Thinking it's God's divine timing or whatever, for whatever reason you don't have it, you just, you just don't have it. And what if you just made the decision that you already have it? That it's already, already yours. Now it's invisible. But just because it's invisible doesn't mean you don't have it. It just means it's invisible. And you have some things that are invisible. I can't see Jesus in you with my physical eyes, right? But that doesn't mean that it's not true. So you've got it. So whatever this thing is that you, I mean, even, for example, in writing the book, what part of the process is to imagine, close your eyes and imagine your book. Totally finished, you know? In heaven, where is the book? In my case, the book is in the Father's house. I have a, I have a room, two rooms in my Father's house. It's a place in, that I can go and visit a lot. God's done a ton of healing in my life in this house. And there's a, I have a little room there that's when I was a little girl. And then I've got a room for an adult. There's two, I got two rooms there. There's little Shalise has a room and my adult's person has a room. And, and the adult me, the book is in the adult me's room. And it's laying on the desk. And I can go and, but the weird thing is I've been, I've seen this book for a while. You know, but anything that is yours, you know, um, he's lavished everything that belongs to you in heaven. So it's, it's, it's connect with it. You've already got it. That it's an invisible reality, but you already have it. And as you do that, 
acceleration occurs. Manifestation happens. And so this is about getting into agreement with what is, what God has already done and has, who he is, who he says that you are and what he has done in your life. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years this woman was suffering. But then, guess what? Acceleration and manifestation. You know, and she saw it. You know she saw it because she, it was detailed. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She knew it. Why? Because she received it before she ever went out the door. That's how she knew it. I just know this is going to happen. So I'm just going to go. I'm accelerating towards the manifestation. Because I know it. I know. I know if I touch him, I know I will be healed. I know. That word know is a powerful know. I know I've got that cup, even though it's invisible. I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, even though I'm not speaking in tongues at the moment in that story. I know that I've got it. And when you know that you've got it, you don't have to ask towards it for it anymore. You're just making steps automatically that are going towards the manifestation of it. That's what happened when I received that knowledge that I already had this spirit-filled life. I quit asking and just began to do things that seemed like manifestation things. The woman with the issue of blood got out the door and went towards the garment that she's about to touch. When you've got it, instead of waiting to get it, I mean, if you're still waiting to get it, just sit there and do nothing. You're just waiting. But when you've got it, right, you're moot, you know, It's interesting, you know, it's it, it's just about a shift. And a shift in your perception, an awakening in your perception. And so I want to pray with you guys tonight just about that, all right? I'm going to pray kind of really the same prayer. Again, it's in a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians. Um, it's a, another thing from Apostle Paul here, not too far um, after, uh, you know, I was reading that first part of chapter 1. This part, um, I'll start, I'll start, I'll start reading. It's in verse 16. And here's what Paul said. He says, I have never stopped interceding for you. My heart is full of thanks to God for you. And I pray continually that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, now listen to this, would unveil in you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation through the fullness of being one with Christ. Okay, I'm going to read this again. Would unveil in you, unveil, 
not give you something. That you, there would be this awakening that the blindness would come off of your spiritual eyes. So that what was seemed apparently invisible and hidden becomes unveiled. And what's he want to unveil? The riches of the spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation through the fullness of being one with Christ. And he says this, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding with light until you experience the full revelation of our great hope of glory. So this is about a revelation. It's about a, it's about an unveiling. This is about your imagination. Why? Because your imagination connects you with the invisible. You can see something with your imagination that you can't see with your physical eyes. And so Paul is praying, flood their imagination with light. Why? So their imagination, what happens when light comes? You see. You see. And so he's saying, let them see the full revelation of our great hope of glory. What is that? Christ in you? What's the hope of glory? Christ in you. Give them a full revelation, imagination of who they are. Unveil who they are of what it means to be one with Christ. And, you know, this is, these are, this prayer is a very different prayer than give them something they don't have. This is a prayer about knowing. It's about perceiving. It's about recognizing. And those are new covenant words. <laughs> right? It's not about Holy Spirit come. It's about Holy Spirit, let me recognize that you're here. This I you know, I, it's it's awesome. It's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome. You know, it's just awesome. I said this also this week. I said, you know, you're gonna you are today what you have believed about yourself yesterday. And you're going to be tomorrow what you believe about yourself today. You know, all external growth is an internally initiated process. We grow from the inside out. And, you know, I talked about this scripture. I think I talked about it last week. I don't know. I I also wrote about it this week just on some things. Again, this coaching program that I'm doing. Um, And it's this phrase, you know, become what you believe. Now, become what you believe, it makes it almost sound like you're, 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 you're getting something you don't have. See, that's not the kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is about, it's more like transfiguration. Transformation in the kingdom isn't stopping and becoming something that you weren't. Because that, that's what Jesus has already accomplished. The whole, you know, old things have passed away, all things have become new. There are, it's already new, right? But it's like you're a butterfly acting like you're still a caterpillar. So becoming what you believe isn't the process of the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. No, 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 no. It's the manifestation of the of you being a butterfly, which you already are. I'm trying to say it a whole bunch of different ways. Hopefully one of these ways is going to connect and resonate with you. If all of them don't connect and resonate, well, then throw out the ones that seem confusing. 
because different, I'm, I'm assuming the Holy Spirit is having me say it a bunch of different ways because certain ways will connect with one person more than another. But becoming what you believe is, is a, is awesome. Um, it's from Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 9, 29 through 30, and it's, it's a specific wording in the message translation. And Jesus, it was Jesus healing some blind guys, and it says, Jesus said to them, do you really believe I can do this? And they said, why, yes, Master. So he touched their eyes and said, become what you believe. Become what you believe. And so that whole concept of manifesting what you believe. Let me say it a different way. I said it a moment ago. You already are manifesting what you believe. This is something that is just, this is just a principle. This is the way that it works. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so acceleration and manifestation comes from an unveiling, from a recognizing, from a awakening to who you are. And so for me, you know, it's it's a a remembering. Because I've spent enough time with these truths that I'm not hearing this for the first time. I'm hearing this for the 15,000th time. You know, this is, I preach this. This is what I, this, I, this revelation for me happened way back in 2003, 2004 maybe, where I really began to get a revelation that I am one with God and this new identity that I was living out of, that I was righteous. I mean, and that I was no longer a sinner and that I was, I, uh, I, the guilt did, was not my portion, that I was not, had, did not have a performance based relationship with God. That I wasn't trying to earn prosperity or earn healing or uh, I wasn't blessed because I did certain things. I was blessed because I was in Christ. I mean, I began to get those revelations have been with me for a long time, but I still have to remember. I have to remember every single day because this is not the way the world operates. It's not the way most Teachers teach it. It's not the way most preachers preach it. And so it's a constant remembering of the truth. But for you, this may be the very first time you're getting this truth. It's, and so you're just at the place where you're getting the revelation. It doesn't really matter whether you're just getting it or you've been with it for as many years as I have and you're just remembering it. I mean, it's still an unveiling and a connecting with what you already have. Either you're remembering that you already have it or you're discovering that you already have it. it, The point is you've got it. And and, and sometimes, you know, it's 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 a powerful thing to come to a place where your experiences don't make something true. They simply are your experiences. That your perception of something doesn't make it true. Although it feels true to you. 
And it may be, you may believe that it's true. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make it true just because you believe it's true. I, I mean, it makes it true for you, but it doesn't make it true. And coming to that place where, wait a minute, I'm going to live, and I know that we have to reconcile it. I mean, honestly, I remember when I was having, you know, serial miscarriages. I had to reconcile my experience with what was true because I was experiencing a lie. My experience was a lie. You can experience a lie. So experience is not the gauge of truth. Boy, you better hear that. Your experience is not the litmus test of where, what, of whether or not something is true. See, discernment is about getting above your experience. It's about, it's about developing an awareness where you are not just experiencing your experience, but you're observing your experience. That there is a level above your experience that you are, you are kind of like a, and they, I've heard it said this way, that you, you recognize that you are, you are experiencing being human. <laughs> you're almost observing yourself third person at the same time you're experiencing it first person. That's what discernment is. Discernment lifts you above your experience so that you can even begin to evaluate your experience. So I recognized when I was having serial miscarriages that this was not true. I was experiencing a real lie. And I wanted to know, why am I experiencing this? Because I know it's a lie. Matter of fact, you've said I'm the joyful mother of children and I keep house. Personally to me, now I know it's a scripture, but you spoke that to me. You spoke to me that, that Brian was the father of my children. So why am I not experiencing what is true? And I was not going to say for a moment, see, because you can make all of this mean a bunch of stuff that somehow this is true. Well, I guess I'm just waiting on God. In God's timing, I'll have children. You can say a whole bunch over, over this. But God calls things that be not as though they are. I mean, he, he, he's not, he's not a tease. Dangling a carrot out in front of you like, I'm going to say this promise out here for you, but it's not, every time you, I'm going to pull it back, you can't really have it. You know, like sometimes my kids do that with dogs, my dogs and the treats, because especially one, my one little dog, you know, she's always afraid of getting bit, so she'll pull the treat back, but she doesn't realize by pulling the treat back, that's probably why he's maybe going to bite her, because she doesn't know what she's going to do. He doesn't trust her, right? But, God's not like that. And so for me it was all about what's what what why is my experience not lining up here? What lies am I believing? What lies am I believing that I believe more probably subconsciously than I do in the truth? And so for me it was a process of lies and truth. It was a process of coming to grips with the idea that Deep down, truly deep down inside of my heart, I, I was afraid that I couldn't have children. I was adopted. My mom was not raised by um, her mom. And my mother couldn't have children. So I had this kind of normal in my life of women not having, not being, not having natural children. 
And, you know, that's such a subtle, subconscious little program that you weren't even, I wasn't even aware that that was what was happening, right? And it wasn't even so much that God revealed that to me. It wasn't like he came down and told me what my problem was. Like, you, da 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 you believe this. That kind of came 20, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. What actually happened was he just told me, you need to see yourself, you need to see yourself nine months pregnant. You need to imagine what is already true. You need to imagine the invisible. You need to see yourself as you actually are. And so he wasn't so much, like sometimes we get so focused on the wrong belief we have, like, oh, well, how do I get rid of this? I just have blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. It, 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 believing is not focused on unbelief. The process to believe isn't go in there and evaluate the unbelief. It's not get down in the lie and, like, let's figure out the lie. Why did I believe the lie? This lie so power, you know, because you're still lie-based. No, it's, it's, it's just a simple shift into, like, I already got it again. <clears throat> I'm not trying to, trying to have a baby. I'm already, a, you know, nine months pregnant. In the invisible realm, I'm already, this is already true. I'm just getting it. I've already got it. And guess what? My experience lined up with that. So the very shift from, from, you, you got, it's getting off of that experience based truth meter that says, I experienced this, so it's true. Now, I'm not saying you're not experiencing it. I'm not trying to get you to deny your experience. That is not Christianity. That's, you know, Scientology or I don't even know. Some of those other ones. So we're not about denying our experience. We're about not making our experience God of our life. We're letting God be God of our life. We're letting what he speaks determine what is true. We're letting what the cross accomplished be the litmus test for what's true. The cross is the litmus test. What Jesus has accomplished, it is the truth. And now my experience is going to line up with that. Because I'm going to believe the gospel. I'm going to repent. By the power of God. Because I, I'm, my, my eyes, my imagination is going to get enlightened. And I'm going to, it's the way, who I am is, a, is being unveiled right now. I'm imagining who I am. I'm imagining myself as perfect and holy and complete and prosperous and healed and strong and holy. I'm, I'm seeing with my spiritual eyes what is true. You know, that's why I stood in front of a mirror for an entire year and looked in the mirror until I could, I meditated on that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I stayed there till I could see it. Now, some people, you know, they leave and leave, they try it five times and, oh, well, you know. There's a really interesting book that I read that I really liked. It was by Gregory Boyd, and it was called Escaping the Matrix. And it comes at this kind of concept a little different, but it's just talking about the experienced you and the true you. And that we have two versions of us. One is the one that we've lived with and experienced, and one is the one that, that the way that, that God has recreated us in Christ to be. 
And, and that, that, is, that is our true identity. That is who we are. There's a true identity. I mean, I, and you know this. I, I always say this. Like if, you know, God forbid you were sitting there right now and something happened and you keeled over dead and your earth suit just stopped functioning for whatever reason, like a space suit, but an earth suit, you know what? You, in all your glory, are still going to be sitting right there. And your true identity, by the way, is the you that's going to be there. You'll be fully awake <laughs> to who you are at that point. Right? And I know I was going somewhere in a scripture, and I can't remember what it Oh, I was talking about this book, Escaping the Matrix. And so this, it, it, it's, a, it's just another way of attacking it. He kinda, it's kind of interesting because he uses the movie The Matrix about waking up to reality, like you took the red pill, and all of a sudden, you if you've seen the movie, right, you wake up and you realize, oh my gosh, I was living in a simulated reality. That what I thought was reality was like a dream state. And that now I'm plugged into this machine and real reality, I'm, I'm, I woke, right? I'm awake now, and now I'm a part of this resistance now, because I'm awake, to wait, and I want to wake everybody else up because it's mind control. And that's the, the, the reality of how we are is, is fallen humanity. Right? We, we've become, we, it's like we, we get, go asleep, we fall asleep to who we are, truly. And God, the, the message of the gospel, and, and, and when God calls you what he calls you, he's not delusional, he just can see. He can see that you're wrapped up in Christ. He can see that you're complete in Christ. He can see. And so it's an interesting book because it, it, it kind of plays along this whole, you know, matrix analogy, and it's, it's a powerful thing. Another way of looking at it. And so my heart is to help you recognize you. My heart is to help you wake up and realize that you're a new creation. It's to help you wake up and realize that you already have it. And it's to, in that process, recognize the acceleration and the manifestation is a result of the awakening. It's not a result of God doing something new. Now, granted, the Holy Spirit's the one that is empowering you to do the awakening, but there are definite steps that you can take uh, in, in a sense that, you know, for me, I do, um, I, I'm a, I use our own ministry. You know, I, I mean, I am a big believer in Rethink RMR sessions. In my own life, I can tell you, I probably would not be pursuing the book and doing some of the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing if I had not gone through those sessions. And it's not because I'm relying on those sessions. It's just that's a facilitated encounter with God that confronts my unbelief, which is what the Rethink R, it stands for Rapid Mind Renewal. It is just a mind renewal process that I can identify the lies that are keeping me from manifesting who I am in Christ. And I'm a big believer in those sessions because I know my only problem is what I believe. I mean, Jesus said all things are possible if you can believe. And so the problem I've got is an unbelief problem. 
And so you are a, you are a, just a mindset away. You're a, you're truth. You're an unveiling away. You're a revelation away. Right? And I know for me, I, I remember getting a hold of a book one time that talked about this guy that just, just confesses over his life every day that, you know what? The eyes of my understanding have been enlightened. Or if you read in this translation, the eyes of my imagination have been illuminated. They've been flooded with light. And I'm experiencing the full revelation of my hope of glory. You know, it's just saying in first person, I got a hold of this, and this guy was having all kinds of incredible spiritual encounters, and I was like, well, I'm just going to start saying the same thing. I'm just going to agree with Paul. I've been given. Not I'm asking. I've been given. I have. The, the, um, the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation has been unveiled in my life. I just began to act like I already got it. Same principle. And it's amazing how, I mean, that is just a true thing in my life. I mean, I know this. I, I don't have to, I, I have enlightened eyes. I've been given a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I, I own that. So own it. All right, I'm going to pray. So, Father, I just thank you for every person that's listening tonight. I thank you that there has been, <laughs> I just feel it. It's like, a, it's like there's a nugget. You've deposited a nugget. And maybe maybe there were too many nuggets. Maybe they only need, they needed a four-nugget meal. And, you you know, you served up a ten-nugget meal. And it's like, I can't eat all this. You know, I have a kind of a sense that sometimes it's, you know, it's, 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 it's too much to take in in one, one sitting. But, Lord, I thank you that you... You, they've got the nugget they need. They got the nugget, they got the food they need. And I thank you that they're going to digest that. I thank you that it's going to be assimilated into their system. I thank you that there's a supernatural impartation happening right now in Jesus' name. Just like we maybe don't understand. I know there's a, a scientific process of how we absorb nutrients into our body, but I, and I, I know that there's a science behind this too, Father, but I thank you that we don't have to understand how it happens in order to benefit from it. And so I just release the benefit of just a supernatural assimilation of the food that you have served up tonight. Lord, anything that would hinder that in their hearts or in, in any area, Lord, I just rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I just release a, a, a smooth digestive process that they're digesting and assimilating this message, Lord, that you have something that you have fed them. And it may be different for every single listener, God. But I thank you that it doesn't matter because you are a supernatural God. And you can cause a different breakthrough for every single listener. And so I just come into agreement with what you're doing right now. Over and over again, Father, I think about people that have said, you know what, Shalise, when I heard you talking about these things, it became clear. And so, Lord, I know that you know how to connect the people to me that, that for whatever reason, the anointing on me makes, makes it clear or the way that I explain it makes it clear. And, Lord, I just pray right now for just a, for those people tonight, Father, that there would just be an even strengthening of that component, that there would be even a greater understanding that would come, Lord, that they would understand by impartation even, Father. I just release them into encounters, Father. I just release them into 
experiences, Father, in their, maybe they're imaginary, but that doesn't make them not real. I just release them into imaginations and visions and experiences of all kinds, Father, where they're just beginning to <sighs> recognize the truth. Know the truth or knowing the truth. Ooh, and I just release them into an understanding and a knowing, Father, of just what you're speaking over them. They're hearing those phrases. You're a mighty man of valor. You're the father of a nation. You are Peter, right? Esther, you were born for such a time as this. You are, you are, you are, they're hearing the phrases that are a key to unlocking their destinies and keys to unlocking their true identities, God. And we just come into agreement with that. And I bless them. I bless who they are, God. I, I, I get an agreement with who you've called them to be. And I just declare the manifestation of that in Jesus' name. I declare an acceleration and manifestation over that. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.